In August 2015, Gary Newman and Dana Walden, co-chairs and CEOs at Fox, met with journalists to discuss the upcoming Prison Break reboot. When questioned about the reasoning behind rebooting this particular show, Walden remarked that people are still interested in these characters, and she was right. Prison Break remains one of the most successful library shows on Netflix. What is it about these properties that make them so ripe for being remade? A cynic might argue that it's the result of a tired system relying on fond nostalgia to gather as much cash as possible from a sinking ship. But what if it were something more? What if there was some intangible quality that couldn't be quantified? This show is about the search for that essence. This is still interested for Curio. Welcome back to Still Interested. I guess if you listen to the first one, you're a big fan of Point Break. As big a fan of Point Break as we are, uh, I am as always Ben McAllister. Uh, I am Jackson Newsard, and joining us is a special guest. A very uh, special guest. Hello, a, I'm Eli Melvin. A beautiful man, very close to all of our hearts and souls, and uh, he's decided to stick around with us and watch the remake of Point Break. I am. I am still interested in what you guys do, having listened to the first one. <laughs> For what it's worth, um, given that we will be discussing pretty much stuff that is covered in episode one, you might want to check that one out first if you Pro- haven't. Probably a good idea. Yeah. I mean, unless you're just like a really big fan of the 2015 Point Break, as I want to get this out of the way, I unironically am, we're going to say some things about this film probably over the next little while. I just want to point out, I do really enjoy this movie. Is that a spoiler warning? Yes. I, spoilers. Well, I mean, spoilers, yeah, I think, people. I, I think, yeah. <laughs> this is a, uh, an entire spoiler uh, warning for the whole podcast, essentially. Yes. We're going to be dealing with nothing but spoilers. Yes, I mean, this, is, this should just be called Spoilers, the podcast, because all we do is, like, <laughs> literally recap a movie, so, yeah. yeah. There's some uh, Game of Thrones Season 8 uh, spoilers in here, so watch out. Uh, yeah. I'm going to drop them. You'll hear me wink every time I drop one. Yeah, and some... <laughs> And some season nine spoilers. Yeah, hey-o. I've managed to dig those up. I've spoken to Dave and Dan. <laughs> Dave and, and Dan. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I've, got, I've got the hot off the presses. Yeah, the, that's good stuff. The hot season nine spoilers. Uh, so here we are. Point Break, twenty fifteen, directed by. Does anyone have the name? Erickson Call. Erickson. What a name. The perfect name for this film. It is great. Like, when I read that, I was like, my god, like. Ericsson Core sounds like the genre of film. This, <laughs> <laughs> this is Ericsson Core. Yeah. Yes, that's perfect, dude. Yeah, that is so ideal. Okay, I guess we'll, let's just jump right into it with no yeah. further ado. It even sounds like product placement, Ericsson Core, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's a big part of 2015. I mean, yeah, that's uh, and product placement, big part of this film. Yeah, we'll probably exactly. get into it, but these motherfuckers won't stop talking about sponsorship the entire fucking film. <laughs> it's very now, oh, it's very Jesus. happening. It's very 2015. The Go silent on. beginning, jump scare. Like, yeah, it was sure. silent, silent, silent. <laughs> <laughs> Motorbikes. Yeah, I guess it is kind of a jump scare. We get this, like, establishing shot of these uh, sand dunes, I guess. It's like, Spine so- Canyon, I think. Uh, who could say, Some dude? canyon that has the word spine in it. Yeah, yeah it's sort of spooky. Yeah. Mm. Um, Foreboding. Yeah, and then we just get that that sweet, sweet sound of, that uh, all of us motor enthusiasts will know as yes. the, uh, the grunt of a dirt bike. So all, all of us that you'll find down the Quinana Motorplex on a Sunday. <laughs> Rev heads, as they call us down there, <laughs> listening to the dirt bikes revving up. That's exactly right. First, uh, first difference, Utah is now blonde and beautiful. Okay. This man, we're just jumping straight into it, like, this man, it, it, it's a bit of a tune-up, I think, for a uh, 2015 audience. Oh, it's a definite tune-up, and as we're going to get to later, he's 
fucking jacked. <laughs> like, in addition yeah. to being blonde and beautiful, he has got it all going on under there. Well, yeah. that's because he's a polyathlete. Yes. I don't yeah. know if he said that enough. And yes, he's an extreme polyathlete. Uh, yeah, which, which we'll get back to that as well. Which, <laughs> which brings us to our next key point of difference, the first one I noted down. So, like, in the original movie, he's, like, just an FBI agent. In this one, he's originally an extreme polyathlete, Riding his dirt bike along this gorge with his friend whose name is Jeff. Before, <laughs> before, before, he, be- <laughs> oh, before he becomes an extreme polyathlete. Yes, oh, Jeff. We- so yeah, to, to get to it, to get to the money shot, basically Utah and his mate Jeff are riding their dirt bikes along this canyon. They've got helicopters following them. They're like extreme polyathletes. They're like they've got GoPros on their motorbikes. They're like making a conversation about like doing it for their sponsors and that yeah, sort of thing. The whole yeah. thing. I, I, I meant this sequence, but the whole film is essentially like a Red Bull wet dream. Yeah, yeah. Well, you say Red Bull. Monster. Exactly. Oh, I'm sorry. He's wearing that monster logo right on his jacket. It was right there, there on the bikes. It was everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> the important thing is that Jeff dies uh, following Utah over this last jump that he makes, like from one bit of the canyon onto this pillar of rock. Jeff dies, and then we get the opening shot. Point break. Which you gotta admit is that much better than the 1991 film. Oh, where yeah. It had that, like, oh my god. <laughs> that that unimaginably bad title Horrifying. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's very good. Um, I mean, oh, this- the beginning, the beginning is. Is they're like, oh, you know, we gotta, you know, it's all bros hanging out. Like this whole film is just bros hanging out, doing bro things That's together. That's entirely what this film is. And, and we'll get back to, to that. To its detriment. Yes. Oh. <laughs> and they say, um, what is it? He says, oh, don't worry, man. We're gonna be something like we're gonna be the first to complete this trail, you know. Yeah. And right, that's it. It's just the last jump, right? Number one, how many trails, right, exist before someone has ridden them? <laughs> yeah. yeah? <laughs> yeah. The and then that was the thing. <laughs> Yeah. A trail that no one has set. <laughs> <laughs> the first to complete this theoretical trail. <laughs> then someone can trail after us, but before that, mm. it's simply an idea, a line, if you will. Also, what track finishes on a random <laughs> Mesa disconnected <laughs> to the rest of a canyon? A pillar of rock. That's yes. a good yeah. point, actually, because Jeff dies because <laughs> this track ends in this jump off this cliff to land on this little plateau sort of thing, this little island yeah. out there. And I assume it's real, right? But, like, what? Yeah. Is there enough run-up to get back? Yeah. <laughs> I guess never they had a helicopter, I guess. Look, let's not shit on this. It's a one-way trail. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but, the, I mean, like, okay, sure. So, like, as far as, you know, nature is concerned, if you end up on this little mountain, you probably are getting back. But they've got helicopters and shit coming to get them. <laughs> as far as it's nature not... is concerned. <laughs> yeah. It's not that big of... That was in the, that was in the blueprint. Yeah. <laughs> That's your pride. Yeah. <laughs> You're stuck here now. As far as, yeah, look, it's one of the better parts of yeah. this movie. I mean, the stunts like, generally, and that is something yes. we spoke about in the uh, in the earlier episode, is like the, these hot stunts being very remakeable, and they listen. Yes, they've they amped it up. They've amped it up crazy. They didn't just remake it, they... Yeah. Oh, they improved it. Yeah. These, and dare I say, hot, wet stunts, as we'll come to later, they're mm. extremely wet, and it's all happening. <laughs> 
Um, so we next jump into Utah crushing the shooting drills again in a classic yes. throwback. I loved this. To the uh, opening film. This was so good. It was a direct throwback to the next thing we see, or the first thing we see, mm. I guess, in the original Point Break. Johnny Utah nailing the heads of these paper targets. 100% accuracy. He never misses. He's an unstoppable killing machine. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the one thing we sort of, like, the vibe we get, we get out of this, like, there's a whole FBI training course sort of thing. Um, but as Utah is sitting down with an anonymous boss who yes. is going to crop up again and again, whose name we literally never heard the entire yep. film. I guess we should go with Hieronymus Boss. Hieronymus Boss. Hier- Hieronymus <laughs> Boss. Yes. <laughs> Not bad. That's the name of this character. Um, but this Utah, he's a, he's a little more clean cut. In fact, he insists that his name is Brigham, not Utah. <laughs> uh, and that Utah was just a nickname given to him by his dumb friends in high school. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so Utah is trying to convince uh, Hieronymus Boss that, like... He really wants this gig at the FBI, you know? And he's getting grilled. Like, this guy, this trope of a man, is there like, I don't trust you, Utah. That world you came from. Pretty wild, huh? And at this point, I must say, pretty wild, comma, huh, question mark, is my first pitch for the title of this episode. I think it pretty much sums up the entire hour and 49-minute experience that is this film. The, the point is, Hieronymus boss is grilling the shit out of Utah, trying to determine if he really wants this. Utah says he went to college five years after everyone else graduated, and he really wants to show him that he wants this like he wants to be an FBI agent he just goes on this rant about how hard life is as a mature age student yeah and you just kind of feel like alright Utah yeah. like, like here's a guy that's like leaping off like like cliff formations and shit like that mm. and then he's like but man going to uni five years after my peer I really learned a lot about life <laughs> <laughs> that was hard for me yeah I, I will no. stick up for John Utah Brigham right here okay. you two were freshmen <laughs> whereas I was a mature age student and it was hard. That's if right. I had been the Hieronymus chief boss or whatever, and he was like, look, I went back to uni later on. If I was the chief, I'd be like, all right, fine. That's committed. I've That's committed, a- man. Yes, of course, of course. As you don't get no help as, from the government. As committed <laughs> as driving a motorbike off a cliff onto a little plateau, though? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, hey, I don't know. So the next thing that happens is in order to convince Hieronymus Boss that he really wants this job with the FBI, he takes him to this briefing that's going on where we hear, and I quote, this is what chaos looks like. And we get the first, pro- not first, probably best throwback to the original film. We have a bunch of guys wearing president masks robbing some diamond sorting factory of $100 million worth of diamonds. These are some, like, terrorist criminal guys who are on, like, the hundredth story of a building. They steal all these diamonds, they see police interference on the ground, so they drive their motorbikes out a window and parachute down into the street, as if that is somehow a superior escape mechanism, but anyway, <laughs> this is what they do. Well, there's also a really hot uh, pop culture update, because the presidents these times, or mm-hmm. at least the two we see, is uh, George W. Bush with yep. a uh, Mission Accomplished sign, yep. and Barack Obama with a Yes We Can, because oh, so good. it's funny at this time, it's you know? It's really, <laughs> really topical, you know? As opposed to what was it, like, Reagan Nixon and Clinton? No, Reagan, right. Nixon, uh, Carter, F- uh, Jimmy Carter, yeah, yeah the farmer. Um, yeah. And then we've only got three of us. Kennedy? Someone who didn't impact history that much, clearly. Wow. <laughs> Did you say Kennedy? Yeah, wow. He <laughs> like, no, I said Kennedy, and you're like, Ugh. so I'm like, well, it's not him. Then. Yeah. Well, it might have been Kennedy. I don't know. We're finally getting Lyndon into- Johnson. <laughs> Finally getting into Eli's true agenda, shitting on the memory of John F. Kennedy. That's why he agreed to come on this show. He just wanted to get all of his dirt out there about JFK. So, 
Um, personally, there's something I love because, like, as, as this is happening, we we sort of like get a jump through to these uh, these perps doing their next crime, which is them like hopping onto this plane and like cutting the tethers of these huge bundles of cash and letting it rain down over these impoverished peoples and that mm. sort of thing. But there is something about these like anti-heroes like skydiving through a field of falling money yeah. that I can just imagine <laughs> oh, the screenwriters in the room just like all simultaneously orgasming yeah, no, and just be like, we've done it, this is it. It was highly cinematic. <laughs> Before we jump into that, I just want to say I'm nominating Hieronymus Boss as my first nominee for MVP here because of this line that he managed to deliver without a single shred of irony in his voice. Uh, a combination of things. One, him saying they didn't anticipate a group of people with a particular set of skills <laughs> managing to like not lose it at that incredibly oblique reference to take it. <laughs> Could get your head on that football. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then also uh, the, the just, what kind of people are we dealing with here? That he delivers with the straightest face. But you're right. Heroes diving through the money. Very good. The money lands in some little town in Mexico, I guess. And uh, Utah hears about that. He hears that the perps jumped out of a plane and then they disappeared without a trace. And now they're looking for the bodies. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, so Utah puts together, essentially, having seen all these hot, wet stunts, and mm-hmm. as he explains to Hieronymus Boss, that he believes these extreme polyathletes, which he brings up again, uh, are attempting the Ozaki Eight. Yes, the which Ozaki is eight. Yes. The, the ordeals. The ordeals yes. of Ozaki. Essentially, Ozaki was this uh, eco warrior dude. <laughs> eco warrior is the right word. Giving back to the earth by doing these hot wet stunts. Essentially, there's like surfing gigantic waves, like a lot of like skydiving and shit. There climbing are there mountains. are eight of them, and yeah. we'll get to them in sequence. But yes, exactly. So he, he he manages to tie this crime to some crime they did earlier at a log complex on the they, Congo they, they River. They blew up a, a logging company yeah. or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so like he manages yeah. to tie together that these various crimes all happened near places where you could do these extreme stunts and therefore they must be chasing the eight as they say in inverted commas which is their description for trying to complete the eight ordeals of Azaki. Yeah, I think this film really grabbed the whole like Bodhi as a spiritual warrior Oh yeah, words. yeah. And was kind of like that's it. It's stunts and it's spirituality. Yeah. And we're just going to force it down the like the audience's throats. Because oh, yeah. that's all this film is. It's yep. just one stunt after another and people being super into it, like in a Nirvana sort of sense. But they're genius because because they've got the eight. They're like, man, you know, let's like, okay, let's dream big. Eight stunts. We want to see eight stunts. <laughs> Plus, we want the given back yes. for every stunt. Yeah, we're going to double, true. we're going to get 16 stunts. Which are also stunts, <laughs> yes, exactly. That's right. That's right. We're getting 16 stunts. <laughs> all of the stunts are stunts yeah. and all of the giving backs are also, also stunts. stunts. Arguably better stunts. Yeah. yeah. yeah some well, of... and so you have these like sort of natural stunts without any sort of like violence or anything. Gunfire. And then you have the giving yeah. back stuff which is like yeah. explosives and guns. Yeah, yeah, and, oh. yeah exactly. So, so the, the key takeaway there is that Ozaki challenged people to undertake eight ordeals each representing a force of nature and if you achieve all eight, you can reach Nirvana, which is something that I feel like we're going to come back to. Like, as we get on with this, like, initially started taking down, like, every time they get into some fucking ridiculous stoner philosophy bullshit. I was, like, writing notes about how dumb it was. But then there's just, like, so much of it that I reached yeah. a point where I was like, I cannot keep writing <laughs> all of this down. Like, I can't take down every ridiculous thing they say about, like, you make your own path in this world, man. So I just resolved to leave it alone. 
Because, like, the first film had that whole B-plot about, like, War Machine and, like, like, like the Death Squad sort of thing. War Child? War Child. You know what I mean. But my, my point is, the other film had other stuff going on. Like, this film is, like, there's only really one target the entire time. And because it's just stunts. There's yeah. an A story, which is all stunts. And that's it. I will say that I think this movie's stakes are infinitely higher than the original movie, which is about a guy tracking down a gang of surfers committing some bank robberies, <laughs> oh, so, which I mean, is probably one of the craziest premises for a movie ever imagined. I can't stress this enough. I very much enjoy this film. <laughs> I, I love watching this film. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a thing I'm, I'm very much a fan of. Uh, ne- okay. Next one we're going to is uh, the, the next uh, challenge that Utah believes they, or Ortega are going to try is the life of water. Yes, all the show once this. in a decade. Once, once in a decade waves. Utah pitches his theory to this room full of uh, FBI people that are constantly being like, "I got a plane to catch." Ah, but what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. And it's this whole thing which will, which will probably come back to but just like anonymous film chatter which is this trope which drives me fucking insane here's one for you bit of trivia I picked up on one of these like assistant directors of the FBI original member of Bodie's surf gang in the 1991 point break same actor hang on let me let me dig it up which one? Uh, okay. Did he play Rosie, the unstoppable killing machine? No. That's Tobias think... Beecher from Oz, man. <laughs> <laughs> Did he play Roach then? Hang on, let me let me look this, this up. I saw this on like because I looked up the first film. I was just reading through like the credits, so I made sure I knew. And it had like um, you know special notes. Two of the gangs are in that FBI room. Whoa! Okay, because here's what's on the trivia. In the original 1991 film, James LaGrosse played Roach, one of the ex-presidents. In the remake, he plays an assistant director of the FBI. So there you go. One of these guys hanging out in this room. But apparently there's two. Uh, they've already completed three of the challenges, uh, three of the ordeals. Emerging Force, Birth of Sky, Awakening Earth. Uh, Utah is saying that they're about to go do number four, which is Life of Water, with these once-in-a-decade waves off the coast of France. Nobody believes him, except for Hieronymus Boss. He's the only guy who thinks that he's a a legit dude. Uh, And there we go. Yeah, he's sending him to France to meet uh, (laughs) Angelo Pappas. (laughs) <laughs> who was played by uh, my personal hero Gary Busey yes. uh, in the in the former film, uh, but this time they got a bit grim dark with it, and oh. they're getting that, uh, that Ray other. Winston goodness. None other than Ray Winston as Angelo Pappas in the remake. And he, this oh. guy is just like a bad motherfucker. Like oh, like Utah so is mid sentence, and Ray Winston's just like get your shit, we're leaving. <laughs> just like, <laughs> alright? Like, this is like into the introduction. And like, because Gary Busey was a really, I think, inspirational figure in the first Oh film, yeah, and he know? was like kind of goofy and yeah. fun and like, he was kind of like out there agent yeah, with these crazy ideas. Too old for this shit. Yeah, and like, yeah. Ray Winston is like, I will kill you. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Uh, They get out on a boat and they head out towards this break where these once in a decade waves are occurring and we get what is my favourite part of this movie. This like three minute montage of hot surf stunts set to gold by fucking... Gold on the ceiling by the Black Keys. By the Black Keys, that's right. Honestly, maybe the best use of music in any creative property. It's I've so... It's so good. I feel like that that that, that sequence would have been like, alright, we're remaking Point Break. So Where's the surf? Yes, yeah, exactly, yeah. dude. Exactly, yeah. And then, well, we got a script and then the producer's like, no, 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 no. Where's the surfing? Yeah. We shoot the surfing first, <laughs> and then we film the wrecks. All right? 
And so they had half the budget's in that chart. <laughs> but it's true, and like, because this uh, film is so much about beauty. Yeah. It's about like beautiful actors in beautiful places doing beautiful stunts. And this, like, summed up no better than this, like, three or four minute surfing montage. Oh, just people like eating it and like yeah, surfing yeah, yeah, and yeah. people on yachts being like, woo! It's like, like you ought to get my goal. <laughs> it's oh, so it's good. Oh, it's so good. It's really good. During this awesome montage, which is another callback to the original film, I gotta say, one thing that we noted in the original movie was lots and lots of montages. <laughs> like, two yeah, hour movie, film. 25 minutes of montage. Jesus. They've definitely brought that back. This awesome montage, a cool, smoking, safe babe emerges. She makes her way out of a tube. I wonder if we'll see her later. Uh, the camera's focused in on her. Don't worry about that. We also he- uh, get here some more anonymous film chatter mm-hmm. from people on boats just yelling out like, oh, he can't do this, and that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. As Utah essentially like like travels on in, um, and like Jack's... Uh, yeah, snakes. Yeah, he snakes so, his line. Yes, yeah. his line. The best set of the days coming in, and Bodie, ooh, mm, a mysterious man, goes out for it. Utah goes out as well. And we just get these people on yachts being like, hey, he can't do that. Oh, my God, he snaked him. And why is this a thing that happens? Like, I'm not sure, like, uh, for example, in films like uh, like Rogue One, for example, you'll get to an important plot point, and there'll be extras in the background being like, what is she saying? What? Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah. And like, why Why are filmmakers now like, if the audience has any questions, we'll preempt them and get some random extra to yell them out <laughs> and that counts as good filmmaking. In Fantastic Beasts, just like, kill them! <laughs> yeah. Like, it's absurd and it keeps happening and it's the laziest fucking thing in the world. You never see these people again and it's like, as soon as the audience is like, whoa, is Utah jumping in that guy's way? There's some dude like on this bo- like boat being like, Hey, he's jumping on that guy's way! <laughs> like, it's absurd. Uh, as Utah is, like, surfing away, this extreme polyathlete, um, him and Bodie, I guess, are going, like, head-to-head, and Utah bites it. Oh. Like, he gets, like, dropped down in this crunching 80-foot wave, essentially. He eats wake. Oh, yeah, he eats wake. <laughs> Thank you. Such a hard phrase to get my head around. I'm a surf boy now. Okay, I know all about good. surfing. I learned it all from Point Break. I believe the term's wipeout. Uh, <laughs> hey, we yes. fall off a, a surfboard into a wave. So we see <laughs> someone dive in after uh, Utah, yeah. grab him, and like essentially bring him up. Utah wakes up shirtless on this. Um, he wasn't shirtless before, was he? So in rescuing him, they've, they've removed his shirt. Clearly undressed him somewhat. Yes. So he wakes up on this boat. He's waking up su- surrounded by who we later learn is Bodie and his crew of boys. Just, yeah, just shirtless. Just hanging out on a boat, you know, like boys do. Yeah. In the original movie, when Johnny Utah eats it under a wave, Tyler saves him and then teaches him how to surf. They've literally replaced the romantic subplot with a bromance between, yeah. like, Utah and There ain't no time for Bodie. chicks in this film, like, man. Well, there <laughs> is. There's precisely four minutes for chicks in this film. And that'll come later. Samsara. Yeah, the, the girl who was surfing before yeah. Samsara. Is she the only featured female in this film? Yes, yes she is. She's also the replacement for Tyler, which as we said, we'll definitely come back to this. In the One of the movie. FBI directors is a woman and has a line. Yes, But I'll apart like from that, yes. I think that's the only woman who yeah. speaks in the well, film. Well, to be fair, she was the one that's like, I've got a plane to catch, which <laughs> is the most... Why am I listening to this? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the, the, the point is, like, Tyler... 
who was one of the best parts about the original Point Break, despite, like, you know, us taking the piss, like, the, the believable romantic subplot between Johnny Utah and Tyler, like, that was a big point. And, like, it's just been removed and well, replaced. I, I would say it's been replaced. Yes. Because there is a believable romantic subplot between Bodhi and mm. uh, Utah. The film Fair just doesn't enough. go there. The yeah. film just does, does not go no, there. No, definitely. Um, and so, yeah, we, we see this Utah just covered in tats, um, and Bodhi essentially talks him, talks him through this, um, I guess, lifestyle in, in, in a sense. Yeah, we start to really get into the, like, stoner philosophy of it all. Yeah. They're having this awesome party on this boat, which, as it turns out, belongs to this crazy rich dude named Alpha Rick? Yeah. That was what I got out of it? To, was... to specify, it's Al for Rick. Right. Not, not Alpha Rick. Okay, I thought Which was, is like a very cool name. I thought, it was I thought he was struggling Rick. to say like Ulfric or something yeah. like Norwegian. <laughs> right, okay. No, yeah. it's A L space F A R I Q. I saw it written on a board somewhere. Right. Ah, yes. I thought it was. the same person. <laughs> I thought it was Alpha Rick. Like, genuinely, I thought that was his cool that rave name. the son of Alpha Romeo. That's, yeah. that's where his money comes from. <laughs> I think that's such Get a out. that's such a good wrestling name. I think if I was a wrestler, I would be Alpha Rick. Are you kidding me? Like that's such a good name, Alpha Rick. Yeah. Anyways, he's this rich dude. He owns the boat, and I guess he like employs Bodhi and his boys to travel around chasing well, he, the eight. Oh, he but, sponsors them. Yes, we don't really know much about these details yet. We'll get more of them later. But the important thing is, there's a highly sexy party going on. We get we get a hot cut of. Uh, Angelo Pappas in the mix. Oh, yeah, yeah. In his words, a uh, what was it, a hot piece of ass? Yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. Just like, why are you making Ray Winston say this? <laughs> <laughs> he was in the Departed. What? What has he done? <laughs> he was in the Departed. He's earned a pass. He doesn't have to do these movies anymore. Surely someone in Hollywood has something on him, and they're like, yeah. listen, Ray, like, you really fucked us over. You're being in this film. You're going to be in this Ericsson core movie, and you're going to say you had a nice piece of ass. Yeah, Jesus. We're going to go back to an FBI undercover film. We're going to do it all again, just like The Departed. <laughs> this is going to be a lot more fun. A lot more breezy. All right? He has the fabulous line, how do I stop looking? <laughs> oh, Jesus. So, the important thing here that happens at this party, Utah heads up to the top deck of the boat and he meets Samsara, who I guess is Australian. Yeah, kind ambiguously. Of I think it's a to that. That's a real beat, Australian yeah. voice, isn't it? I say. Yeah, yes. I, it's the closest thing to a real Australian you get in Hollywood. Yeah, and and she, I think she's Australian. Is she not? I don't know. I don't know. We get a very nice, very sexy scene where Utah and Samsara do this awesome underwater dive that lasts, like, I timed it out, 55 seconds. They spend, like, diving off the top of this boat underwater. They have these rocks. They bring them down under this reef. They swim up to the top. And they're just having a nice time. Yeah, like, Utah really jumps into the ocean of insubordination. <laughs> like, <laughs> he finally get it. He's this clean-cut boy, and he, yes. he takes the Because literally, before he jumps in, he, yeah. he looks at her and he's like, oh, you're an FBI agent. Well, provisional. And he just <laughs> dives in. It's like, it's, but, like... What does he anticipate happening? Like, if he's an FBI agent in deep cover, yep. is he not allowed to swim with attractive girls? Or is he literally, like, <laughs> prophesizing the way this film is going to go? Yeah. And being like, fuck it. Like, you know, <laughs> I think it might be symbolic of his crossing a boundary between mm. the things he should and shouldn't be doing. But, you know, that's... This is where you know that he's actually an incredible athlete because the guy kicks off a full-body wetsuit in, like, two seconds. <laughs> that is impossible. <laughs> That is absolutely impossible. 
The things you get hung up he on. He would have been rolling on the deck <laughs> and she's swimming under the reef and he's trying to get an anchor. Because that's the thing. Yeah, she was wearing, You need help to get out of there. She was wearing a bikini and like a dress. Like, like she would have been such an advantage. <laughs> Man. Things you get hung up on, Elijah. Uh, I'll never. I actually thought, it. like swimming under the reef, I would have put that down as a stunt. Like that, that terrified awesome. me so much. It like, was terrifying, but it was also awesome. Oh, it, is, is it also there as they're uh, splashing around in the water that Samsara reveals that Samsara means wanderer. Wanderer. Which, yes. If that isn't the single character note for this role, <laughs> then I don't know what is. It's literally yeah. like someone was like, mm, "What's a new like a uh, new uh, tile we can market?" Hmm, uh, someone find a translation for Wanderer that works as a name. Samsara? Cool, great, we've yeah. got it. Cut it, print it. Forget <laughs> it, yeah. <laughs> like, on the description of the character when the actresses were showing up to read, it said Samsara hyphen Wanderer. Yeah. <laughs> that was all they had to go on. But, you mentioned earlier insubordination, Jackson. One of our points of high remake ability, so I guess they get a pass mark on that. They do, they Utah do. Utah is doing some insubordination. If you can call it insubordination, I'll, I'll hit on this later. Yeah, like, he's not weak. as insubordinate as Keanu Reeves' Utah sitting in John C. McGinley's office being like, caught my first tube, bro, it was sick. Well, like, I mean, <laughs> Keanu didn't even really follow the script, and that's really insubordination, yeah. like, <laughs> as an actor to a director. <laughs> The truest form of insubordination, yes. Utah was originally clean cut, but they had to recut it for uh, for old Keanu. Um, it, it's also worth mentioning like how much this film feels like a music video. Because yes, it's literally, I also wrote that down. Yeah, there's just so many tunes and just like long establishing shots of places and people generally underwater or Beautiful, floating through the air. Sexy people. Yeah. Everyone's um, drinking in moderation. <laughs> everyone's healthy. Yeah. yeah, everyone's healthy and sexy and great. They're drinking Heineken, as so, far as I could tell. Yeah, well, I mean... <laughs> subtly, subtly drinking Heineken. Labeled a camera. Yeah. Um, so we get uh, Utah waking up after, like, splashing around with uh, Samsara. Oh, man. And Bodhi has just been watching him sleep. He's just staring at him. For an indeterminate He's amount of time. just watching him sleep. Enough time to go get one of those little, like, you know those little mocha pots that, like, yep. you, like, make a little coffee with? I literally wrote down, like, this is the point at which I was like, okay, so they've just done away with the romance angle between, like, Tyler, now Samsara, and Utah. And it's all about that Bodhi, like, Utah relationship, which was a big part of the movie. Like, don't get me wrong, but it was always more of, like, a brotherhood thing. I feel like this, like, I'm gonna watch you sleep and make you coffee in the morning is very, like... There's something going on here. Well, I feel like the second best thing about the film, like the first film, was the relationship between um, uh, Utah and Tyler. Mm. Uh, the first best thing was probably that long um, uh, foot chase sort of thing. And then probably also like, the skydiving stuff. And then they were like, and, oh, no, why don't we just like take the second and then incorporate it into the first, which is stunts, and only dudes can do the stunts. So yeah. we're all dudes all the time. Like The I- only person who competently surfs the giant wave is Samsara. <laughs> and she is allowed to do zero of the yeah, rest of the stunts. That's yeah. right. The most we see of her is bouldering. Like, yeah. Coming literally in later on. Bit. They go and do this awesome stunt and she's just there climbing a big rock yeah. and just like, woo, yeah. I did it. So, all right, to move on from this scene, they fucking hang out on the boat for a bit, I guess, and Bodhi gives him shit, says he knows Johnny from when he was an extreme polyathlete, says he has more balls than talent, which is another title pitch for me. I'm saying more balls than talent, <laughs> yeah, potential quote for the title. That Utah lacks fear, but what he saw it on the wave was not a lack of fear, it was a lack of respect, and he showed no beauty. 
which I love. I love all of those lines. Oh, yeah. It's I very mean, spiritual and very erotic. Bodhi's carrying this. Yeah, he's he really carrying is. all of this right now. He goes on, uh, Utah decides to finally be an FBI agent for the first time in a little while and uh, decides to ask him about chasing the eight. He's like, I know you're chasing something. Maybe we're chasing the same thing. Chasing the eight. And then Bodhi's just like, and walks away. Yeah. So we get uh, Utah, I guess, debriefing with Pappas, who like opens being like, that was some crazy, crazy shit. Because <laughs> I guess Pappas... Telling us he got laid as yeah, well. Yeah. Like, 50-year-old Pappas, like, yeah. I guess, on this yacht, just, like, fucked some girl on there and was just kind of like, crazy times, all right, back to FBI. <laughs> back to yeah. Which yeah. doesn't make sense, because later in the film, Pappas is grinding on him so hard, being like, fuck you, man, that's yeah. all what FBI is like. Yeah. And yet he was on this yacht just fucking someone, yeah. being like, crazy times. Yeah, like, he loved uh, it, dude. I will also say for this movie, something that it really has going for it is, like, if you remember in the last film, like, it took, like, an hour and a few minutes of a two-hour movie before Utah is really like, oh my god, Bodie and his boys are the criminals. This movie, we're onto it from the jump. Like, that is something this movie has going for Utah is not only an extreme polyathlete, he's the world's greatest detective. Yes, which was Angelo Pappas in the previous film. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. He's doing a great job. He absorbed that as well. Mm. Um, Ray Winston offers nothing. (laughs) No, literally. (laughs) All of Pappas' best qualities have been removed. He's now this lecherous old man who's just being a dick to Utah. (laughs) I wonder what that means culturally, right? Like, so, like, maybe in the 90s, everyone was all really grungy and just kind of like, I don't know, man, fight the system. And now, in, like, like the, what, 2010s, it's like, no, be your best self, be an extreme polyathlete and the world's greatest detective and solve everything. You yourself, like... <laughs> yes. So, Angela Pappas is like, you're going home, Utah, you've got nothing. And Utah's like, I overheard on the boat that they're going to be doing something at the Paris Underground. You know that, like, weird throwaway line from the moment Utah wakes up that you probably didn't hear. Anyway, uh, so he's just like, I'm going to the Paris Underground tonight. And they go to the train station, and there's a Fight Club scene going on. Um, but yeah, and then we essentially get led into Fight Club. Uh, Charter, who? Okay, is it Charter or Chowder? It's Chowder. 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 Who was uh, on the yacht, part of Bodie's crew? Sort of like talks to the doorman and lets um, lets Utah actually head in. Says something about like he's already done something stupid. As a yeah. real classic throwback to um, him eating wake. Yeah, on the uh, the <laughs> a few days ago. Did I say yeah. that right? Am I a surfer now, Jackson? It, it, it's more like eating wake, bro. Okay, so you gotta you gotta hit those syllables. Well, I tried. Um, the point is, is that Utah heads down into this underground station. Um, Roach is just like beating the shit out of this dude, and then for some reason. It's now Bodhi and Utah. Utah's kind of like, I just came to watch. And then he's like, you're in it. He knows. Like, out of nowhere. There's no words exchanged. He walks up to Bodhi and just drops his jacket. And they just know they're going to fight. And they just get into it. They're just beating the tar out of one another. And somehow, this trained FBI agent gets beaten up by this random dude who likes to do hot stunts on a surfboard. Uh, And (laughs) he... Anyway, so he's in there all dejected, and then Bodhi comes over and offers him some of that good kind green kush, and Dude, the kindest flower. He takes one hit of that delicious I've green flower. I've never seen a film talk around two guys <laughs> sharing a spliff like that. Like, we ain't gonna name anything, we're not gonna physically suggest anything, but, the- but it's as if they're both tapping their nose and winking. <laughs> and Utah's just like, that's pretty decent stuff. And yeah. then what, what, what uh, Bodhi's like, there are a few things I, I don't compromise, compromise on. <laughs> and it's like, all right. This is my Jack Dance. <laughs> 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 
this is my forex go. <laughs> You've had Heineken? Incredible. Uh, but like the thing is, it almost has a precedent for every time he's smoking now. Is he just constantly getting paid? <laughs> because you see him in the film, like he's like smokes a fair bit, but like if he's like, I is won't compromise on Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't oh. think he's punching darts. Like That's I reckon he's just getting blazed. That's a great question. We see Pappas talking to Hieronymus' boss, being like, no, nah, he's out, he'll probably be on the next boat back out of here. And then he gets a text, and he looks down, and he's like, oh, shit. And it just says, I'm in. <laughs> no no phone number, no name, entirely yeah. blank, just, yeah. I'm in. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, the, next, the next of the Ozaki 8 is trial number 5, Life of Wind. Yeah, we um, as we get everyone like getting prepped and ready to go, uh, Bodhi's talking about some more spiritual bullshit, mm-hmm. and poor Roach, this actor, my god, this Conor McGregor motherfucker, <laughs> utters the line, this is the point where you break. Yeah, oh, yeah, he really, credits. he's the guy that has to chew this line the hardest. Like, I don't know if you remember the, the marketing campaign for this movie, which was like, if you go looking for your breaking point, you, you might find it. Find it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And literally, like, yeah, find your breaking point. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Like, they really just got hung up. Because, like, Point Break in the original film is, like, the location of where those dudes were it's surfing, It's the name right? of the beach where yeah. they like to hang out and surf. Yeah. And so this time they were like, hang on a second. <laughs> Instead of it being a beach in California... It's literally about finding your breaking point as a human being. It's an idea, and we know how this film feels about ideas, which is something we'll come back to in maybe the most bunk philosophy I've heard in my entire life. But anyway. So they climb a mountain. There's a lot of cool boys banter, because I guess we're just like straight into this, right? There's no dicking around. No, there really isn't. They climb to the top of this mountain. Who were you yesterday? Today, best friends. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. exactly. And then they're like... Come on, give us the rock once they get there. I love this. <laughs> and this, this was really nice, actually. Like, you yeah, totally so, so they've, they've, they've scaled this, I guess, mountain yep. sort of thing to get to the top of where they're going to, like, jump off in these wingsuits. And then, yeah, they're like, give us the rock. Yeah. And Utah realizes he's got this rock in his backpack, and he's like, ah, oh, you fucking dicks. And it was just a nice, friendly prank that the boys played on each other. Where yeah, they put a rock in his bag, you know, just a couple of lads just hanging out. I'm pretty sure one time. of them literally says, great work. Yeah. Which, yeah. I'm not sure if that's to Utah for making it up there with the rock, or they're just like a big fan of pranks, and they're yeah. like... Fucking great work. Dude, nice prank, dude. <laughs> dude, he never saw it coming. Yeah. Never took his bag. Idiot. We, like, we got him. <laughs> Bro yeah. yeah, exactly. So then, I mean, fucking hell. They so did then, bro fist. <laughs> yeah, they did. Yeah, I think they actually did fist. So, so Bodhi drops the rock off the mountain, and he gets is it Roach to to time oh, this how long the rock takes to hit the ground. Right, the second he hears the rock hitting the ground, he's like, stop. And the guy stops his watch, and it's like six seconds. He's like, I refuse to believe that like they've got helicopters and they've got all this crazy gear, but they can't get a fucking like thirty dollar laser rangefinder from Bunnings <laughs> and just like. Point it at the ground and be like, well, that's how far it is. Well, not even that. Like, like, he should have just been like, well, the mountain's this many meters high. That means it's going to take this long. Not to mention, they're not falling at the same rate as a rock because they're wearing they're like wingsuits. Suits. They're generating lift the entire way they go down. But, but hey, anyway, I guess to raise the stakes, you know, like yeah, you six seconds to live uh, or six die. Six seconds to fly or die. Mm. This is where I thought you'd have the line that really should be the title, um, which is, of course, jump off a mountain and reach Nirvana. That's not bad. <laughs> I think I think that just sums up this whole film. Yeah, that's true. You know what? I that mean, actually really does. That is quite good. Put that in the running. <laughs> um, um, so we next see, yeah, these guys jump off a mountain to reach Nirvana, 
and they with these sweet wingsuits. Oh, a very another hot stunt Holy scene. Holy hell! It's I so love good. these stunts so much. Oh, like, it's so good. Say what you about the script. I think there's a lot of negatives you can point that way, but the stunts in this film are like they're impeccable. Beautiful. This scene is amazing. Yeah. It's and it's real, isn't it? That ain't CGI. Somebody must have done the wingsuit. I can. Yeah. Do you boys think that these stunts are real? Do you think they're practical stunts? I mean, obviously the actors aren't doing them, and obviously when we get to free climbing Angel Falls, Venezuela, no one's actually yeah. doing that. But the question is, like, wingsuiting. Did they get actual wingsuiting footage? I think so. That looked real to me. Dude, yeah. Mr. Core shot Point Break in 11 countries across four continents using actual extreme sports stars in astonishing action sequences. Stuntmen were sparingly employed. <laughs> so, like, the majority of the stunts are practical stunts. I thought, awesome. when I, I thought when I said stuntmen were sparingly used, that these are the actors doing it. And I was like, <laughs> The extras, man. You will jump off this cliff. <laughs> yeah, the same guys at the anonymous chatter earlier on. They really earned their place. So, shout out to New York Times. This is a New York Times article called The Extreme Stunts at Point Break from December 2015. Um, in the wingsuit scene, they brought in Jeb Corliss, a professional skydiver, to help coordinate the scene and handpick wingsuit athletes to perform it. So there Fuck you go. Yeah. Real wingsuit is doing this. Fucking tight. Apparently, they took 60 jumps to film the stuff that was used in the scene, and they're traveling over 100 miles an hour. Now they don't die, and they're so happy about it Dude. that they touch and hug and scream. It's beautiful. They just yell. They just yell. They Primal. They land on the ground and they're just like, uh, and like, because part, part of you, like, part of me is like, like, literally, it's just four dudes being like, we're still alive, baby. We did it. Yeah. And they're just joyous and it's really nice. It's real. It's And then nice. the whole scene that follows is so nice. Like, they go meet Samsara. She's just bouldering because that's what she does. She cooks, like, they, they've, they've got dinner. Like, they all sit down, like, hold hands. Yeah, Bodhi's they... just strolling around, blazing it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just, just, just the entire time, just, like, puffing uh, away. The alpha bonus, dude. <laughs> <laughs> the alpha rank. The alpha bonus. You gotta have him. Um, and then they eat dinner together, and it's really well, nice. Like, at first, I was like, "Are they gonna say grace?" And they literally they had a little like, prayer or something. They were like held hands and were like, "Welcome, Johnny. Let's eat." And then they just did that. Like it was, yeah, it was touching. Wait. Also, what <laughs> happened between 1991 and 2015? 9/11. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes. Arguably a bigger event than what I was gonna say. Styles on IMDb, and I think that tells you everything <laughs> I know, you need really to know so about. So after the dinner, Bodhi and Utah sit on top of a mountain, and we hear about how Bodhi's mum was part American Indian, Indian yeah. which is why he's good on mountains. It's actually a part that we don't hear. Yeah, yeah. because who he was says... ever in charge? <laughs> Sound recording at this moment. <laughs> yeah, they really goofed, goofed up a little. Yeah. yeah, he's like literally my brother Brendan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a really weird moment. 
Particularly because it isn't prompted by Bodhi saying anything. Yeah. It's literally like they're sitting up on this mountain for a bit. Ch- chuff and a spliff, dude. Yeah, chuff and a spliff. And, <laughs> as, as they as, say. You know, kissing that kind flower. As the kids say. Um, <laughs> and just, yeah, he just brings it up all of a sudden. And Bodhi, Out of nowhere. frankly, does not care. Doesn't react. <laughs> does not react at all. It does is at this react. point that I have noticed that they all have knuckle tattoos. Every single one of them has knuckle tattoos. Why do they have knuckle tattoos and what do they say? We'll come back to this later because it bothers me immensely that a deep cover FBI agent is allowed to have knuckle tattoos. Surely that is a huge fucking problem. It's quite if he, a distinguishing feature. Yeah, mm. like if he ever wants to go deep cover anywhere other than in an extreme sports gang, they're going to be like, what's up with your knuckle tattoos, dude? <laughs> We also get here um, Utah bringing up the fact that Jeff was like a brother to him. <laughs> we get a, a sweet Who's... throwback yeah. to Jeff because, like, remember that thing he feels hell bad about? Yeah. He's bringing up to Bodie. They're getting close. Can you feel this romance? Sorry, bromance. Like, yeah. But before you can uh, really think about it, we're back into another sweet stunt. Dude, immediately, yeah. we're on to the next stunt. Okay. So, no, they fair. move right on to Life of Ice, which is the next stunt, which is apparently extreme snowboarding down, again, uncharted trails that no one has been on before. They're on some mountain somewhere. I guess they've been airdropped in by some helicopter that yeah. Alpha Rick bought them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we get these guys like following Utah's line, going down this absurd like mountain, sort of thing off cliffs and that sort of thing one of them flies off a cliff chowder just bites it chowder, chowder eats the powder <laughs> fuck you yeah. chowder just dies yeah, but, you... but you don't even see it yeah, no, you see it's like, really oh. weird yeah, yeah. like the second before impact they're like this is we can't show this it is startlingly reminiscent of the way Bodhi dies at the end of the original point break which yeah. is literally like, he's on a wave, there's some shitty low-res footage of him being like, ah, and then it just cuts away. It's like, exactly what happens to Chowder here. So, moving right along, he's just dead now, I guess, and we get this scene that is like startlingly reminiscent of a scene from Game of Thrones where the red woman is lighting a funeral pyre, which I guess is probably highly illegal. Like, can you just like... You're not allowed to destroy a corpse. Can you just destroy a corpse without reporting (laughs) it to anyone? Like, surely you can't just do that. Real real quickly though, back on Chowder, someone raised raised the question, can you not wear a parachute? Mm. Like, they were wearing backpacks. I thought they were parachutes. Yeah. Man, I guess, I don't know, you're falling off a mountain, like, there's lots of jagged rocks. You probably could wear one. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but here's the thing. Really? Okay, help. here's the thing. I'd if, rather have one than if not. There's, yeah, <laughs> if there's jagged rocks and maybe you'll fly into them, sure. If you don't have one, you're just gonna die. Like, <laughs> in a situation where you're like, a parachute will help, a jagged rock is a bad thing, but not worse than nothing. You yeah, know yeah. What I mean? you'd rather have one than not. Yeah. But to that same logic, Jackson, you'd rather. Always have a parachute, then not, because you don't know if you're going to fall off something. Going back to Chowder, um, whose funeral pyre has become the centerpiece of another sick party. Yeah, an awesome party. DJed by none other than Steve Aoki. Fuck me, dude. Like, do you genuinely think that, like, someone at fucking WB was like, I know Steve Aoki. I bet I could get him to be in this movie. And they were like, all we have to do is give him a shot where someone says, hey, Steve! And then he gets to throw a cake in someone's face. I reckon no one knew Steve Aoki there, but I reckon they were like, hey... I know of the concept of Steve Aoki. <laughs> All we have to do is give him a shot in this film where someone calls him Steve, oh, and he'll do Jesus. it. Yeah, perhaps that was the case. It's Alf, 
Alfaric. Alfaric took the cake to the face. I thought that was that was cinematic masterpiece. Right. Really, I've written down something here at this point. So like we we learned that like the boys actually hate Alfaric. They consider him like this like pretentious pompous douchebag. They're like he doesn't own these mountains. He doesn't own us. Like we just use him basically for yeah. his money, right? This we guy, use him ironically, exactly. This guy Alfaric is a caricature of decadence. He literally just exists to be a foil for their bullshit philosophy. The the fucking thing where they like smash a cake in his face man he's just like yeah he's literally like the epitome of this like unattainable unrelatable like absurd decadence that is portrayed by this fucking like European aristocracy (laughs) that they're trying to like be like yeah fuck this guy right it's all about Bodie and his boys you know he literally turns to like fucking Utah and says like I can make you a hero or I can watch you die trying (laughs) Yeah, exactly. What? This is Warner Brothers. Yeah. They have other uh, franchises. You yeah. can always use a leg up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's true. <laughs> Live long enough to see ourselves uh, become the villain. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. It's in his neck. You know, we're not having you on the show anymore because you keep saying the funniest shit. What? You're gonna detract from 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 our personal brand. I'm excited for like like ten episodes of the track. No, like, look, well, I guess Eli uh, has to MVP be on all the time. nomination. Eli, right. it's a me. random extra <laughs> who walks past <laughs> with the phone and goes, "Check out these dudes." <laughs> <laughs> Of them robbing the bank of like the hundred stories up, and you literally see Utah go, Oh, the plot! <laughs> <laughs> the robberies! I forgot! Yeah, I hit on this point later where, like, so, like, he's. Uh, this is jumping way it's ahead. It's as if the extra like, wasn't there, it wouldn't have happened. Like, yeah. he forgot why he was there. Like, literally, he. Like, did he actually forget that the reason he was with these guys was because he was like, they're doing these crimes? Check yeah. out these dudes. Say it in a montage. <laughs> we, we, so like, there's this party happening, but essentially we get to this uh, scene between Samsara, uh, Samsara and Yuta, um, which is them. Uh, Samsara says that Ozaki was killed and that it was a conspiracy. Oh, no, it wasn't a conspiracy. Killed by Norwegians. Killed by a Norwegian whaling ship. He died giving back? No, but essentially, that, so they're having this sort of like scene together. Like, um, Samsara's Samsara talks. Died in an avalanche when she was a child. When she was nine, yeah. and so Ozaki took her in. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Ozaki died with that Norwegian whaling ship, there was a, a uh, young man, a young man that survived, who was on board, who happens to be Bodhi. In the same scene, we get this reveal. Yeah, why bring it up? Yeah, there's no payoff there. There's like a very strange like setup where it feels like they're going to be like, oh, this is going to come back later because she's like, there was one guy on the ship, and Utah's like, well, why didn't he tell the world about the whaling ship that killed Azaki? Like, why didn't he tell anyone? She's like, maybe he had other ideas. And like, if the scene had just ended there, you'd be like, that's a ham-fisted but possible setup yeah. for a later plot and payoff. It just keeps like, going. 45 seconds later Utah's like the young man was Bodhi wasn't it and it's literally like wow alright moving right along so he bangs Samsara um, because I guess that needs to happen for whatever yeah. reason. You know, she's um, a woman I mean, it happened in, a film. happened in the first film. Yeah. Right, despite the fact that as we've already... Well, is I... he trying to lose the grief of what happened to Jeff? 
I think is that is that the arc? I this, think Jeff yes. is pivotal to this film. This whole movie is about him getting over Jeff, which is all right. No, I, I read this down at the start. Another key point of difference between this movie and the original. Jeff. In the original, yeah, Jeff. In the original <laughs> movie, in the original movie, Utah's tragic backstory he invents so he can get in with Tyler. He's like, both of my parents died when I was young as well, but he's fictionalized that. In this movie, he actually has a tragic backstory, and it is Jeff. Well, he has a weakness in the first film that's his own doing that holds him up. It's his knee, isn't it? Yes. yes. Whereas this is tragic it's floor Jeff. is Jeff. 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 The memory of Jeff. <laughs> Man, can you imagine, like, in the climax of the scene, Bodie's just like, Jeff. And he's like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Jesus. So, he bangs Samsara, and then the next thing we get is he gets a text from Ray Winston and Angela Pappas. Why is this revisited, the whole, like, sex leads to professional misconduct? Yeah. Because in, in the last film that happened, he had sex with Tyler and was like, I'm late. In this film, he's late 12 days. He rocks up to meet <laughs> so Pappas, and Pappas is like, I've been waiting for you 12 days! Yeah. What? It's, it's, it's a very puritanical message that children's sex will always lead you to be late for work and your boss will be mad at you. But the point is, yes, yeah, so this, this hits on something I've been writing down a you couple of times. You cannot be 12 days late for any job. <laughs> yeah, any that, job at that ever point... on the planet you cannot be 12 days late for and still have that job. You cannot be two days late with no contact. Yeah, it's like, sorry, I'm late. Why did Ray Winston do this film? <laughs> I think, again, we should really stress, what does someone have over him that yes. he did this film? Why does he have to do this movie? Yes, he, he's gotten a pass. He doesn't have to do these shits anymore. Anyway. He did Crystal Skull. Come the, on. The, the, I was just waiting for him he? to say Jonesy. Yeah, he's the guy that turns coat uh, like eight times. Yeah, yeah, of course. I'm with the Russians. I'm not with the Russians, Jonesy. No, I'm with the Russians again. Yeah. They're offering me treasure. Alright, we're moving, we're moving right along. Enough of the second oh, wait. worst. Ray Winston has the line of the film. Okay, hang on, on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Second worst? Indiana Jones film, yes. I'll what is your worst? Um, Last Crusade. Dude. Oh, you caught me on that. Listen, Dude. if I had known this, we would never have made this podcast. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen. It's arguably better than Temple of Doom as well. It's the best one. Last Crusade is the best no, you, one. You, you know what? I'll, I'll retract that. Last Crusade is better than Crystal Skull. Temple of Doom is not. All right. All right. So you, of... You've really walked it back. No, you've no, really, no. You've really I... thrown something controversial out there and really I still think it's it controversial. Back. I've said the wrong movie. It's still the second worst one. Moving right along. <laughs> um, so yes. we get back mm. to the plot. We get back to the yes. giving back. Eight ordeals. It's quite, quite actually a mouthful to say. Ozark's eight ordeals. They talk. Bodhi talks eight about Odeals how Ozark. Eight ordeals. Bodhi talks about. Bodhi talks about how uh, this mine that, that that they're at has been ripping gold from Mother Earth for uh, decades now, and they're they're gonna give back. And he literally says, "Like we're going to liberate it." Why do you have to liberate a mineral? <laughs> That is like the wrong, like yeah. the wrong verb there. Yeah, yeah, like the wrong verb usage. I don't think you liberate gold. You know what I mean? Arguably, like, digging it out of the ground is liberating it. Yeah, it's locked up in freeing there. it from its earthly shackles. Yeah, exactly. You dig it out of Mother Earth, it's liberated. Yeah, more so than it was when it was embedded in a rock. It's just like it. It just gives romantic sense to be like, no, we're gonna blow up these trucks, and the gold is gonna go back into the earth, yeah. and we're gonna liberate it. It's and like, that is important for some reason. What does yeah. that mean? So what is important is that this is their first act of giving back for the rate with Johnny on board. 
now leaving back for Life of Ice, and it's just blowing up these gold trucks. So there's this cool truck chase scene. It's very cool. They're on the side of a mountain. They manage to stop this truck that has all this gold. Some weird fuckery goes I on. I mean, we also they get... just outright murder a couple of people. Yeah. We also get Utah, like, complaining about this to Bodhi and being like, blow up a few trucks of gold, and, like, that's your whole plan. And Bodhi turns to him and is like, do you have a better idea? Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a better idea than blowing up trucks full of gold? Like, probably. Like, like any idea. Like, any of them. Like, make, like for your whole philosophy thing, anything yeah. makes more sense than that. Yeah. They just kill a couple of dudes. And, like, and, and they, they try to liberate the gold with controlled explosions. The exact <laughs> thing that got it from the ground in the first place. <laughs> Like they destroy a mountain to put it back on yeah. top of the gold. It's kind of feel like really deja vu for the gold, right? Like yes. Yeah. Like going up, going down. Jesus. Yeah, the gold's like, we're free, we're free. We're in the back of a truck. We're on our way to be turned into electronics components <laughs> to go in the new Intel processors. And then all of a sudden, Bodhi shows up and he fucking knocks the top of a mountain down on top Gives of it. Gives him the Samsung yeah. 7 treatment. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's very topical, Eli. Uh, so, um, basically, there's some straight up murder. Bodhi has the control for the explosives two of the guys take off they parachute off the yep. side of the mountain I guess because the shit parachute backpacks doesn't seem like a bad idea now <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean Chowder, they learned, they learned from Chowder alive. they learned something yeah. Chowder died for something Oh shit! Imagine they've been like for Chowder. Yeah, like, jumped off and like popped the parachute. That's character development. That's they've it. learned to have can, parachute backpacks. I think the thing is, this is a very good film. People just don't know how to like experience it. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah like yeah, yeah. the faults on the audience. I think. exactly. No, definitely, and that's true of every piece of cinema or theater that you've ever criticized. Yeah, so, exactly. Um, what happens next is is Utah decides enough is enough. He picks up a stray gun and says, "Bodie, FBI, this is liberates the, a gun. He liberates a gun. <laughs> liberates." A gun. On the ground says Bodhi, I'm FBI. You have to stop with your criminal activities now because I'm going to arrest you for them. I think that's all I'll quote from the film. But Bodhi looks at Utah, says nothing, and just blows it up. But we know what he's thinking is, I want to do this. Yeah, crime. I know. Like, literally, he just doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. Like, like Utah is like, I'm an FBI agent. Like, freeze, stop. And then like, he just kind of like. Alright, like, yeah. he just like blows up this whole mountain. He knows Utah won't shoot him. And now we get what is the callback to probably the most iconic scene of the original Point Break, which is... So he's chasing him through the streets, in, in the original that is, and like busting through all these like backyard mm. like fucking gates and back doors and shit. Instead here it's a jungle, it's a pine forest, they're on dirt bikes, which is Johnny Utah's specialty as hey, we yeah, the opening shot of this movie. And we arrive at... What is probably the most perplexing moment in the movie for me, which is they both stop their dirt bikes kind of atop a small ridge, and Utah says, it was you the whole time. Which for me is like, you knew that. Yeah, like, you, had, you didn't investigate any other leads. Like, the whole reason you're here is because one of the first things that happens in the movie is you put together... That this is the group doing the crimes. And then over the last few days, they've told you they're doing the crimes. So, like, why is he here being like, it was you guys the whole time? Yeah. It makes very little sense. I mean, like, arguably the only time he can say that is when they're like, we're going to give back. We're going to blow up these trucks of gold. And then he's like, it was you the whole time. Yeah. Like, at that point, that's when that realization ha happens. Not when they're, like, fucking, like driving over the mountain like it's crazy what is important is we get yet another callback to a highly iconic scene the callback yes the, the callback call he crashes his bike 
he fucks up his leg, which is like an unnecessary reference to the <laughs> fact that like Johnny Utah, quarterback Johnny Utah, falls off the aqueduct and fucks up his leg, and he can't shoot Bodie. Bodie runs away into the forest, and he empties his magazine into the air while screaming impotently. If that's not a metaphor for masturbation, um, <laughs> it was painful to watch. It was. It was. Yeah. It was. I mean, it's very clear that Bodie and Utah have a stronger relationship than like Bodie. Utah and Samsara. Like, it is painfully obvious. But, like, moving on from here, we see Utah back being berated by both Pappas and uh, Hieronymus' boss, tearing into him. At one point, Hieronymus' boss tells Utah, like, remember when I told you not to get too close? We never saw that. Yeah. And it's not yeah. unthinkable that he didn't say that, but it's weird for this film in particular to be like, hey, remember that thing I said without showing us? Like, yeah. It feels like that's an obvious Considering get, they right? show everything twice. Yes. Yes. yes to they've, refer to something that they show zero times. They've not been afraid of showing <laughs> unimportant dialogue that they can call back on later, so why did they choose this thing as a thing that they weren't going to actually have in the film? Nope, fair enough. So, all right, yeah, here's, here's a weird thing where Utah's like, Bodhi doesn't see these as crimes. He sees them as offerings. And, like, Pappas and Hieronymus' boss just, like, don't apparently understand what the word offerings is. Because their response is, like, offerings? What does that even mean? And it's like, if you've been following this investigation at all, like, the word means what it means. It is incredibly (laughs) obvious what he means by considering them offerings. Like, it's not like this is your first introduction to what Bodhi and his crew are about. Like, you've got a whole, like, fucking floor of your building devoted to trying to catch these guys. You've got whiteboards, but, like, the word offerings throws you for a loop so these uh, these, yeah. these perps go, to, go back to what they know best and that's uh, Robin Banks and there's only one bank open on a Saturday uh, and it's on top of a mountain for some <laughs> it's reason it's this conveniently placed bank on top of a mountain with one road in and one road out so why don't we just put it on top of a fucking mountain the only way in and out is via this one treacherous road that seems like a pretty sensible place to have our open on Sunday bank yeah, it's 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 obscene. What what we do see is a lot of sweet Volkswagen sponsorship of uh, a fucking like Volkswagen like four wheel drive. Is it a Touareg? I want to say it's a Touareg, but like just like speeding around the streets, looking like hella slick as like Pappas and Utah head to this bank, uh, and then we get stuck right into like this uh, bank robbery. So like I noted here. Utah is way less incompetent in this film. The first film is like a lot of Utah and Pappas being like kind of shit at their job. Utah is incredible this entire film, other than when he forgets about what he's going to be doing. But for the rest of the film, every time he's trying to be an FBI agent, he's like supernaturally talented. No, dude, he's amazing. He's the world's greatest detective. Mm. He's supernaturally fit. He's mm. an extreme polyathlete, and he puts everything together in the blink of an eye. Yeah, yeah. There's two mysteries, and he solves them by thinking <laughs> about them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just looks at all the data and says, yeah, this is it. You might say he nails bad guys by crunching the data. That's it. Hey, there you go. A classic throwback. Uh, so we They get, rock up at the robbery in process. Yep. We get generic shootout. Like, just a really yeah. generic bank shootout. Right, where... The whole point of the... Okay, the whole point of this robbery is that they don't have any assets. Alfred's been cut off, yeah, apparently. I yep. guess. Seven. The money has been severed, right? Yeah. Yep. They got no assets to do whatever the last two things are, which apparently consist of a bag of chalk. Also, but wait, hang on. Whatever. Al- 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 <laughs> Alpha Rick is an American. 
Does the American government just have the ability to cut off people's funds? The American government is flying two pallets worth of $100 million over Mexico for no discernible reason. The amount of things that, like, is the American government yeah. in this film, that yeah. they, can, they can do obscene things, and they can do, like, seemingly, like, easy things, like getting someone into Venezuela is impossible, <laughs> but they can freeze the accounts of this... A European billionaire. Yeah. yeah, they can be like, well, we can freeze yeah, all of our Farouk's money because there's no way that he has contingencies. Like, there's no way that this incredibly rich businessman has been like, any strategy other than I'm just going to put all my money in American banks. <laughs> they can freeze all my assets. We can't lose. Like, yeah. like, seriously, like, they need the money for their last two, the last two ordeals, right? And I guess their lives afterwards. The, the, the eighth one is a mystery. The yep. seventh one is a bag of chalk. Spoilers. <laughs> right? <laughs> but what they accrue to perform the robbery is body armour, assault weapons, grenades, ammunition, escape vehicles, parachutes. <laughs> like, <laughs> and a bunch of money. Because that is expensive chalk. All right. And mate, okay. Maybe a return ticket from Venezuela. Yeah. I don't know how much that costs. That's, well, they needed that before they got there. They would let them in. Baffling. I also, I love the idea that, like, Bodie and his boys can get into Venezuela, but the FBI can't. (laughs) So they're like, well, like, we're fucked. We'll see them next time they pop up. Yeah, he's made it into Venezuela, boys. That is it. So, like, if if ever you commit a crime, just go to Venezuela, because apparently the FBI cannot operate there. It is beyond their jurisdiction or their ability to to do any kind of media operations. So, you're right. We have an, an absurd shootout where they're stealing shit for reasons that are entirely unclear. Roach, uh, Roach gets, like, capped in this shootout. Like, there's no real emotion there. I guess Utah wasn't really that Just a hail of gunfire. Yeah. He gets shot in the shoulder, I think, and then goes, fuck it. You yeah. know what? <laughs> yeah, it's, pigs. it's really a moment being like, you know what, I guess I'm gonna die anyway. See you soon, yeah. brother. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. shooting this the This is, again, a callback. Either way, we get a, uh, I guess, a recreation of that foot chase again. As like the like Utah is chasing down this um, masked bank robber. So this is the thing. This is the second recreation of this iconic foot chase. It's a very they've, good scene. They've dude. literally put it in the movie twice. Like they were like, hey, you know what was great about Point Break? As you've said, like these various aspects, awesome foot chase. <laughs> like let's just do it twice. Let's just throw it in there. Like we've written this subpar movie. We've done it on a dirt bike. Now let's do it on foot through this <laughs> Venezuelan town. And we're, we're led to believe that it's Utah chasing Bodie because he's like, Bodie! And you know, he, he yells out that he thinks it's Bodie even though there's no way to identify these people wearing all black body armor and shit mm. and riding these dirt bikes. So this, this perp like gets into this like cable car heading down this mountain. Uh, Utah heads around and makes... Frankly, an obscene jump on this cable car. There is no way... In the first film, Bodhi, like, hurts his leg coming in a bit too far from parachuting down from, like, the the sky or whatever. Like, fucking, like, this Utah, like, leaps off this, like, building onto this cable car and is fine. Commander rolls. Yeah. Surely he could turn to the operator, open the FBI badge, which he received in the previous scene, and and be like, stop that cable car. Stop the car. In fact, bring it back. <laughs> Wait, no, stop it. Leave her out there for like half an yeah. hour. Yeah, for just, backup. Just, yeah. Yeah, just leave her there. I have to go get the other guy who's also getting away. Instead, he decides to make this suicidal jump onto the top of the card. Which he missably survives, yep. gets in, like notices that like this uh, un- unnamed bank robber like, raises their gun towards him, and he's like, Bodie, stop! And then like caps them, and then, oh no... 
It's Samsara. It's Samsara. It's Samsara. Oh. She's wandered too far, it seems. Yeah, like, we're meant to feel something. You know who doesn't care? Samsara doesn't care. There's been. <laughs> Did Samsara have feelings for him? I don't know. No. Is she happy to unload half a Heckler and Koshan P45 into him? <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. Like. She certainly tried to. You know who also. It's unclear if he had feelings for her is Utah. Like, there's been so little investment yeah, into the relationship sucks. of these characters at this point. I feel like she could have raised the screen of the helmet and gone, it's me. Yeah. And then left. Yeah. Like. Yeah, baffling. Instead, but I mean, to be fair, if that happened, I would have been like, I don't know why you tell her to leave. Like yeah. there was yeah. really nothing between the two of them. But anyway, put her in a fridge. <laughs> Either way, um, yeah. And so we get we we then get uh, Utah like moving forward, very vengeful, I think. Mm. Uh, and he sees Bodie at this train station, oh. uh, just two guys on opposite side of the tracks, very symbolic. Attempts to head across to confront uh, Bodie. Surprise train! Nearly hit by a train. Apparently doesn't see a train. How does a train not surprise you? Yes. I don't understand. Apparently doesn't see or hear the train coming. And in the time it takes, a train that is travelling so fast... Express! It does not stop at the station. (laughs) And it's travelling so fast, Utah doesn't see it coming. In the time it takes that train to move through, Bodie's gone. Mm. He's just gone. He's he's out of there. That 19 metre head start... Uncatchable. Yeah, exactly. Well, we, we 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 see him go back to like these FBI headquarters that they've set up, sort of thing with um, Hieronymus Boss and Pappas. Pappas is like it's finally a little bit of light, and so we get like Pappas being like, "You're right, kid." Like just like finally yeah. not being a dick. Like this is what I've noted film. down. Like since when does Pappas care about Utah? Like we've had none of that in this movie. In the original, like you get their like buddy banter, like they have moments at the start, and their relationship kind of develops as they're together. In this movie, all we've seen is Pappas being like, "Yeah, she's a real fine piece of ass," and like, "Oi, you're shipping out tomorrow," and yeah, get your shit, we're on the boat. And then the next thing we see is like. I fucking love you, man. <laughs> like, don't die on my time. <laughs> Just I got your badge pressed early. <laughs> out of oh nowhere. God. At, um, at this point, we get Ray Winston. Do I think I don't know how this made it through the cutting floor because it is literally a shot of him getting uncomfortable, having set too long, <laughs> and like grunt. And have to stretch yeah. his legs. And if that doesn't make you shift in your seat at this point in a film that has been running a bit too long, I don't know what will. It is like it, he could have looked at the camera and just done that and been like, yeah. Mm, yeah. been a while. Yeah. <laughs> and that's five minutes of break to stand up. Stretch yeah, yeah like, I have a damn popcorn. Come back. I had a similar point. Like, why do we get this? Like, he's literally like grunting like an old man who's uncomfortable. It's got piles or something. Is that what it's meant to hint at? I don't know. It's, I mean, which is like 100% Ray Winston and not the yeah, character. Exactly. What happens. Like, you, you got to wonder whether Angel, whether Ray Winston was like hey just film me doing this it'll be great like because he was like I could com- provide a more compelling I reckon, than half of the people in this film I reckon they were still filming and he was he had lines and he was <laughs> like he just stood up and started stretching now like I guess alright Ray like whatever yeah. I guess that's all we're going with maybe he has like terrible arthritis or something and so just moving that much is a stunt yeah. in itself for him and they're all like he's doing it he's, he's moving like a normal person <laughs> before we get to that we have what is probably the most absurd point in this entire movie, which is Utah puts together that they've completed six of the eight ordeals oh. and they've got two left. 
And the, where would that be taking place? So he realizes that the, the first six ordeals all go with gravity. They're all going down. And the last one, Master of Six Lives, goes against gravity. So the only place it could be taking place is the only place the FBI doesn't have jurisdiction, which is Angel Falls, Venezuela. And apparently the FBI cannot get a man into Venezuela because they're like, well, he's in Venezuela. He's out of reach, Utah. You've got to give it up. And then Hieronymus' boss is like, can you make it happen, Pappas? And like, Raymond's been sitting there like, yeah, it can be done. All that aside, they get into Venezuela. The thing I don't get is like, as they're heading to Venezuela, like, like, it's very much Utah is like, I have to do this. And like, Hieronymus' boss is like, Okay. Do the FBI have like this special thing where like if you're an agent and you want revenge, like, <laughs> that's okay. Well, they call it the, the 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 blue the thin blue line or whatever it is. You're mean? inside the force and then you're out. It's like that whole... Yeah. yeah. That's why cops quit cameras now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Like, it's literally kind of like, the problem was like, all right, well, Utah, you do want to get this guy back, so I guess we'll just send you and Pappas. And I, literally, like, in <laughs> Venezuela, we see Pappas on this boat. Utah, like, gets ready to go. And Pappas is just, like, punching this dart and just yeah. whispers to himself, like, don't die. I guess, like, I guess we have to invest a lot of taxpayer dollars in your personal <laughs> quest for revenge through Venezuela against this guy. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, moving very quickly on, essentially the seventh challenge is this obscene free climbing challenge of like a, a, a rock climb up this cliff face. Angel Falls. Angel this Falls, blew Angel my mind. This Venezuela. was impressive. Yeah. yeah, it's awesome. Cinematography is great. All throughout this movie, we haven't hit it enough. The stunts are incredible. Yeah. It looks amazing. Hey, yeah. I'm just going to say it. Erickson Cole... He's a modern master of the camera. Like, yeah. I don't care who you are. Wow. The, the Erickson Core, modern master of the camera. There you have it. That's yeah. my title. I would point. happily have him as DOP on any film. Which he is, of course, on this film. Yeah, as well. I, I would maybe not have him as director, but as DOP. On photography. Yeah. So That I can fly. So what happens is, the last remaining interchangeable Bodie Boy number two doesn't want to climb the mountain. He's like, oh, this isn't my line. This is your thing, not mine. And then Yuto shows up and they have to start climbing the mountain. He basically forces them up. So You've got Bodhi, Interchangeable Boy Number Two, Utah coming up the rear. And we reach a point where Interchangeable Boy Number Two can't get his handhold. He's got one hand on, it's this very tense scene, he's reaching into his chalk bag, he's got one hand in a handhold, and he's trying to reach the next one. And he spends, mm, I'm gonna say, 22 seconds trying to get his next handhold before he decides, well, Guess I'll just die, because it's too hard for me to reach the next handhold. Yeah. So he looks at Bodhi and says, See you later, brother. And just drops to his like, death. Like, smilingly accepts it. And, like, in what scenario are you not, like, just... Not <laughs> to mention he falls within, like, two or three metres of Utah. <laughs> Surely, if you're like, well, I'm going to die, I'll see if I can chip him off for you yeah. on the way down. Okay, but, like, some actual, like, real-life interjections of facts, right? So, all right, here we like, go. maybe a week or two ago, I remember reading the story about... This guy has finally free climbed this hell insane uh, cliff face. Uh, you know, people climb all the time with like guy ropes and everything, but this guy climbed this insane, um, insane cliff face, like free climbed, and it was a huge deal because no one's ever done a climb like that before. And they interviewed him about it. And he's like, "Yep, I trained for four years climbing this same cliff face, up and down and up and down, until I knew every handhold." <laughs> everywhere like that I could do it and then the actual climb took him a week because he would climb a bit and then could not risk injuring his hands or anything because there's no back down or anything 
So he would hammer in a tent and spend the night on the mountain and then get out of his tent, hook it back on and climb the next thing. Which brings me to like the biggest point of this scene. One, it's wet. I don't know if you can climb rocks with algae yep. uh, up a giant waterfall. I don't know if that's possible. Yeah. It's fucking impressive if it is. I've definitely got down Bodhi and Utah are the two greatest climbers in human history. Of all they, time. Like, without a doubt, they've yeah. managed to achieve... Cancel the reboot of Spider-Man. Because <laughs> we, we've, become uh, we've already got our new Peter well, Parker. And it's just, uh, yeah, like, oh my god. The second thing... Is there a way down? If there is, Utah could just run up that track and wait for him at the top. (laughs) And if there isn't, he can just sit at the bottom. Yeah. Because the only way back down is exactly the way he went up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're you're exactly right. But I think we're hitting on the notion that, you know, like he's so involved in this philosophy of Bodhi and his boys, he wants to complete the eight too. Because you've got to remember, there's only a few of the eight that Utah hasn't done. That's true. He's like halfway through, isn't he? He's I mean, over halfway he through. does have to base jump off Mount Everest. Yeah. That is one yeah. that he hasn't done. I, I think mean, he's like a big one. All right, yeah. We didn't hit on the fact that that is insane and impossible. But anyway, well, the point is, they get to the top. Bodie Boy number two dies. Off you- screen, again. And then they had the confrontation on top of a waterfall. Well, it's a, you say a confrontation, it's really just like two people yelling a little bit and then like Bodhi just like steps back and dives off the back of this fucking cliff. He does a fugitive. Um, yeah, he, he does a fugitive. Um, Utah rushes ahead and tries to grab him and stop him and they both fall down and I guess in that sense both complete the act of ultimate faith which is throwing yourself off the cliff after you free climbed it. Amazing. The act of ultimate trust. It is is the single worst attempt at rescuing in the entire film. Uh, And I mean, and that comes off him trying to save Jeff by grabbing the motorcycle instead of Jeff himself. (laughs) Which I don't want to come back to, but now it does seem quite relevant. Right. Um, But no, no, no. Okay, so he doesn't even make contact with Bodhi. And he still goes off the cliff. He falls. He like tries to grab Bodhi and falls off the cliff. So regardless of whether he'd grabbed Bodhi in a very firm monkey grip and pulled him, he's just running off the cliff. Bodhi could have ducked and he'd go off the cliff himself. <laughs> he had like no strategy, no game plan. He had more hun- balls, man. Bodhi went off facing like away. Dude. Utah just ran off it. Dude. He just ran off the cliff. You've hit it. More balls than talent. Oh. Bodhi said it the first yeah. time. They this met. film. This film. More balls than talent. We're right there. So, so yeah, we, we get to Utah essentially like washing washing up on the shore and like like Pappas like trying to comfort this guy. Bodhi's gotten away. Uh, and like Pappas is like, here kid, I've had an uh, express delivered <laughs> to Venezuela. And let me tell you, it's hard to get anything into Venezuela. <laughs> And it's Utah's FBI badge, like, freshly printed, ready to go. He's no longer provisional. He's chosen his side. Mm-hmm. It's the FBI. Yeah. Yes. And then the <laughs> next scene, also highly reminiscent, callback to the original movie. 17 it's, months later. And we just see crashing waves and helicopter fucking blades beating on the air. And then there's fucking Utah in a full-on wetsuit dropping down out of this helicopter onto this little boat in the middle of the ocean. Standing on the boat? You bet it's Bodie. What do we get? What do we get? We get by far the ugliest fucking scene in this whole film. <laughs> it 
For a film that we've gone on about how beautiful it is, this looks shit. This looks so damn CGI shit, it's amazing that it's in the film. Yeah. Like, yeah. like the fake storm and the fake waves and Bodie's a crab fisherman. Um, it's baffling. I mean, like, the callback, it's a callback and it is forced and brutal. It looks terrible. <laughs> I can't... I was just sitting there going, this looks terrible. And, and, Bodie, and he's a crab fisherman. So, so Utah's like, you're going to die out here. I'm bringing you in. You got no PFD. That's personal flotation device for those of you who aren't boat boys. I, I, honestly, I think more believable this time. This moment, like as far as looks Utah got... pretty and, unbelievable. Oh, it <laughs> looks bad. But in terms of like, the meaning behind it, like last time it, like there were all these like, Australian cops and that sort of thing. And it was a whole thing. It was very bad. Now it's just kind of like, it's just Bodie and Utah 1v1 on a helicopter, I guess. <laughs> but like... Just being like, here's our philosophies. All right, go kill yourself on this wave. Uh, Bodhi actually manages to surf it for like an impressive amount of time. Dude, again, similar to the last one, Utah just leaves. Like, under what authority? He's just decided that this guy gets to live. Yeah, like, but there's like no one else there, and he's on a helicopter. Other than the helicopter pilot. Yeah, but like, he's in a helicopter. What's he's 160 ha- miles from shore. Yeah. yeah. But like, what's going to happen? He's on a helicopter. The helicopter he pilot's going to say, he didn't even try to arrest him. <laughs> we put him down on the boat, and then he just left. He just <laughs> left the guy. On the boat. That MV- that helicopter pilot is my MVP for the, for the end of the film. So he absolutely is, and I'd written that down before he even got a line, which thank God he uh, he did get because there is okay. There's there's a helicopter pilot, right? He fl- he gets paid to fly into a hurricane. He flies a single guy in a wetsuit on a winch into a hurricane. What's out there? A crab fisherman, right? Lowers him down onto the boat. He has a sixty second exchange with a crab fisherman. Pulls him back up, <laughs> and then the crab, crab fisherman kills himself. <laughs> That's his day. <laughs> it's incredible. Oh man! And then, yeah. and then he actually gets the line. He needs to turn and say, "Where to?" And, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. Utah's like home. But, yeah. But the, the thing is. How far can helicopters travel? Because was this guy just like, dude, open ticket. Where do you want to yeah. go? And it, like, name your fucking destination. We'll go there. This helicopter, it can fly fucking anywhere, man. The guy also doesn't know where Utah's home is. Like, what is he trying to... Where does he want to go? Like, I can imagine him being, like, home, and the guy's like... Okay. <laughs> Where is that? Yeah. Do you mean generally the United States? Yeah. Like... like anywhere inside US territory, <laughs> or do you mean your house? Mention, or... Like the helicopter looks like a rescue helicopter. It's got a guy on a winch, like a like a, a frogman, you know, like rescue diver. Yeah. And they fly out to a guy who is safe, who is then dying, and then they wait for him to die, and then they go, "Let's get out of here." <laughs> you and me. We're getting out of here because <laughs> that final scene, that final beautiful Nirvana moment. Yes. All I could think of was Die Another Day. So the most have fucked up about Die this Another thing, Day? I, I, have. I have. The most fucked up thing about this movie probably is that that is not the end of the movie. <laughs> like, 
Like, that just should be the end of the film. Instead, they decided to slot in 40 seconds where Utah is on a big snowy mountaintop. Remember in the original movie, the last thing that happens is Keanu Reeves, Johnny Utah, throws his FBI badge in the water like he quits. He leaves yeah. the FBI. And so, like, we get this weird scene where Utah's, like, on a mountaintop and Eli's like, throw your badge, just throw it, you fucking... <laughs> like, we, we all know it's gonna happen. Then the fucked up thing is it doesn't happen yeah. he just fucking snowboards down the mountain there's so many callbacks <laughs> in the fucking film and the one that needed to happen just didn't happen like a, a core part of the philosophy is that he rejects the FBI because he's conflicted about his relationship with Bodie but no Johnny Utah in this film remains an FBI agent this was all just part of his development dude he was a mature age student there's no way he's given out well, there you have it. We've reached the end of the movie. MVPs. My nominees for MVP. Hieronymus Boss. We all agreed on Roach. Bodie. And the helicopter pilot from the end of the movie. Yeah. He's just the cherry. I mean, I hadn't even thought about that gentleman, but you know what? You're right. <laughs> you know? It's, it's, a big, it's a big call. What do you guys think? What are you guys thinking for MVP? I reckon Hieronymus Boss. Every time he came on screen, I was excited. It was great. He it was. It was a joy. everything he said yeah I'm I'm right there with you I think it's got to be the fact that he's a nameless character as well (laughs) like there's something about that that makes it so appealing like the character must have a name like in in the script there's no way the character is nameless boss yeah uh, Delroy Lindo is the name The, the character's name is Instructor Hall oh man so I almost both don't... a venue and a character yeah I just I almost don't want to give him MVP for yeah. that like that's such a bad name well I... he made it work I mean he yeah. was given the nuts and he turned it into a great character he was in Up he was in The Cider House Rules you know he's in Gone in 60 Seconds he's in Gone in 60 Seconds great film as Detective Roland Castlebeck um, I, I think that's going to be MVP unless we're yeah. going to anything else got to be Delroy Lindo as Instructor Hole lines for title oh Check out the dudes. <laughs> Check out these dudes. All right. I'm very on board with Check Out These Dudes yeah, as the title. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. Like, Point Break 2015, Check, Check Out, out These, these dudes. dudes. That's gotta be I mean, it. That literally was, that, that was like the manifesto of this film. Yeah, like, like plot takes a backseat to hot <laughs> stunts. He's nothing but checking out these dudes. I'm very on board with that. Remakeability? Okay, so at this point, I would say... Things they've hit and nailed. Stunts. Stunts. Obviously stunts, I mean, right? Amazing. Incredible. The stunts were the, the best the, part about the Some stunts. of the best stunts I've ever seen. Some of the best stunts I've ever seen. Definitely the best part about the movie. Mm. Insubordination. Yeah. 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 I would say, if anything, he's actually, like, the most valuable member of the FBI. Yeah. Like, Utah does things that are unthinkable, really. Like, he's also highly capable. Yeah. Highly capable. I would say they haven't got, they've gone a different route, but, like, <laughs> you know... I still liked it. I liked Utah in this one. No, I, I think he's a better Utah. He's a better Utah and he's more likable than Keanu Reeves' yeah. Utah. Um, probably because of his lack of insubordination. <laughs> yeah, maybe. That's true. Everyone likes a bit of subordination. Yes, everyone likes to subordinate <laughs> themselves. Yeah. Um, believable romantic subplot. Now. Bodie and Utah. Bodie and Utah, right? It's right there. I, I went into this movie being like, there's no way. Like, I've seen this film. But there's just nothing that approximates Tyler and Utah. But there is. It's Bodie in Utah. So I'm going to soften on that one a bit. 
Well, soften, yeah. My my issue is they brought in Samsara, who is like the worst character in this. Just film, unnecessary. And just like literally takes the worst space. of all yeah. things. Because um, the, the the point was, if they left that out and had the romance be Bodhi and Utah, great. But they yeah. tried to be like all of the romance exists in this six and a half minute exchange between Utah and Samsara. And I mean that cumulative. Over the course of the movie, that's about how long imagine, they spend talking to each other. Imagine if the scene with Samsara and Utah before, like, the giving back thing is Utah and Bodhi. Yeah, and then they fuck. Different film, dude. Dude. Very different film. film. <laughs> way better Marketed film. to a different audience, even. I mean, marketed to a different audience, yeah, but, like... Way better way movie. Way better. Like, can you imagine Way that? better movie. And then, like, he's he's there, like, Bo- like Bodhi's there, takes the mask off, Utah's holding the gun, and he can't bring himself to do it. Yeah. Because he's fucking in love with this guy. Yeah. That's beautiful. Like, that's beautiful. It's a better that's movie. That's such a good film. Who gives a shit about Samsara? No, like, this is the oh. problem. So they, they lose on that one. Yeah, they, they, they definitely lose. Which do you think is the better film? The original. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. The original is the better movie. The remake is the more enjoyable movie. Okay, that's fair. No, that's very fair. Like, because the best part of the first film is what they've taken for the whole film of this. You know what I mean? There's no substance to this remake. <laughs> it's all the best part of the first film without any any any, any trimmings. It's literally just non-stop mm. 16 stunts. If if you could, you know, like capture like the spirit of the, of the first film. If you were to say, you know, we're going to remake this film, who could replace that cast? Really, the I, truth is, you can't. Right? Nobody could do a better job, and so that's who they got. A whole bunch of nobodies. <laughs> A bunch of people who I've never seen before <laughs> acting in a uh, I mean, they, large opening Hollywood film. They pulled Ray Winston. They oh, Ray did Winston, pull yeah. Ray Winston. And also Delroy, 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 Delroy Lindo. Lindo. And also Delroy Lindo. I mean, you can't... Two actors I love. Yeah. Are yeah. in films that I love. Yeah. Well, here's, here's the thing. Do, do you think the, that the world has, has gained something from this remake having been made? Yes, I'm going to jump in here because I want to describe to you this new film and how okay. I feel How I feel this really speaks to a modern audience. Very right? good. Okay. Instead of surfers, right, what we've got is we've got a group of... Extreme polyathletes. Extreme polyathletes, right, who, mm-hmm. who are these, a group of young men, all male, of course, bonded together, right, <laughs> trying, trying to kind of find their way in this world, but they don't really play by the rules, right? And they all had this like shared belief in something, in some sort of afterlife. And they're willing to, basically willing to die for extreme events, mm-hmm. right? And be at peace with that. Uh-huh. As they... a result for these extreme events. Because they think it'll bring them something. Because they think it will bring them something. Mm. Bring them some sort of peace. Are you... Now, I think that is the kind of film that 2017 needs. Like a pro-ISIS film. I think that this <laughs> film is recruiting for ISIS. <laughs> About halfway through this film, I was watching it and going, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's very Mad Max in that sense, right? You know, like the notion of, like, deliver yourself, your body and spirit, for the greater good. Yeah. Like, literally... This film was just about ISIS. It's more yeah. than ideas, it's about actioning those ideas. Yes. And there is no cost too great. Dreamcasting. Of Pappas? Yeah. Ray oh, Winston? Oh, yeah. Sh- okay, go, go. Who does it better? Gary Boosie. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Barry Goosey. The inimitable Barry Goosey. Um, Alan Rickman. Ian McShane. Alan, Alan, Alan Rickman and Ian. Oh, Alan get Rickman. them both in. 
Alan Rickman. Why does he instruct a hole? Yes, Alan Rickman as Pappas, Ian McShane as Utah. <laughs> I love. I it. would watch that film. I mean, yeah, no, a, a very mature age yeah. student, and Dane Cook as Robbie. <laughs> you say Dane Cook? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dane Cook's in the movie. He's he's playing Robbie. Ian McShane as Utah in a no country for old men kind of vibe as he can't quite keep up with the extremism. Yes. No, that's it. And Bodie's young. No, no, no. Javier Bardem. Yes. It's Bodie. It's Bodie. Javier Bardem. That was my really good pull. Javier Bardem as Bodie. Yeah. Imagine yeah. that. Yeah. That's, Imagine yeah. That. that's the best of all possible times. Yeah. Javier Bardem one. as Bodie. You're Imagine right there. That. Oh, God. And talk about that philosophy, because you know he'd nail it. Tommy Lee Jones as Angelo Pappas. Yes. And, and Josh Brolin as Utah. Yeah, Josh as Brolin. Utah. Josh Brolin as Utah. <laughs> Still Interested is a production of The Curio Network and hosted by Ben McAllister and Jackson Usid. We are produced by me, Grace Chappell. Editing by Jackson Usid. Theme music is Anitra's Dance, composed by Edward Grieg. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter, at Curio Network and at SI Curio Show. From the whole team at Curio, we would like to thank you. The response we've received since launch has been terrific, and it means the world to us to know that you're enjoying our content. We'd love to hear from you if you've got thoughts about the show, so find us on Facebook or Twitter. If you like the show, think about giving us a rate and review on iTunes, or wherever you listen. It actually is really helpful. We've got other content on Curio, such as Alton Ends, where I talk with people about the mementos they've kept and the stories behind them. Or How to Win Loot and Influence Dragons, where we play D&D. Seriously, it's a lot of fun. Check it all out at curionetwork.com. We'll see you in two weeks. For what it's worth, I'm happy for you to cut in me saying Temple of Doom is a better movie than... Oh, sorry, Crystal Skull is a better movie than Temple of Doom. I'm, I'm happy to stand by that statement. Yeah, I'm... I, that Crystal Skull is a better movie than Temple of Doom. Dude, Last Crusade's getting in there, and no. I'm in the lambast. No, that... I, I mean, I'll, I'll issue a rejection for that right now. I said the wrong movie. I've been drinking since 5pm. So, <laughs> it's currently 12.30 in the morning. So for anyone playing at home, that's... Yeah, I like that movie. It's got Sean Connery right. in it. Yeah, of course. Not as good as Raiders. No. Better than Crystal Skull. Yeah.